Blessed be the Lord. If you have your Bibles and will turn with me for just a few moments tonight, I will direct you back to the book of Genesis chapter 13. And I will read verses 1 through 4, the 13th chapter of Genesis. And it reads like this. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. And Abraham, or Abram, was very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. And he went up on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. He came unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham, or Abram, called on the name of the Lord. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, unto the place of the altar. Tonight, for just a few moments, let me, if I could, indulge your attention And I would like to speak to you in a manner of a call. And that is simply this. Let's go back to the altar. Amen. Let's go back to the altar. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Abraham is a man of great inspiration in Scripture. He is the father of the faithful, called out of a strange land, given a word from God to go into an even stranger place to sojourn in promise. A man who would be strong in faith, who would go through many changes and many uh, ups and downs in his life, but he would forever remain faithful to the Lord. Romans has a wonderful chapter about Abraham in his faith and his strong walk with God. Abraham was a sublime believer, and yet he faltered in his faith. When I think about that, I realize that none of us tonight are exempt from that. No matter how strong we may be or how great we may feel we are at times, None of us are beyond failure. Abraham, as strong as he was, as rich as he was, and as blessed as he was, was not beyond making a mistake. Famine came into the land where he was, and in an effort to try to find relief, he went down into Egypt. I don't know that there was anything wrong in that, But I do know that while he was there, he wound up lying about the situation with his wife, got himself and his wife in a very delicate situation, and finally, after being rebuked, Abraham decided it was time to go home. And so Abraham got his belongings together, got his family together, and he began to go back to the land that God had called him to. In particular, he came came back to that place 
that he had come to in the beginning between Bethel and Hai, where he had built an altar. And there he reconsecrated himself to the Lord. Every man expresses himself and the measure of his life in some characteristic act. When life is inspected closely and we view life in its calmer moments, we find our ruling desires usually being condensed again and again in some decision, in some repeated word or action. And in those moments we find the kind of man or woman that we are. And Abraham was defined for us here in the 13th chapter. When failure had come into his life, Abraham knew where he needed to go. And that was back to the altar. When life gets crazy and when life gets off course and when life takes unexpected turns. What we do coming out of such experiences is very telling. None of us are exempt from failure and none of us are exempt from making bad decisions or finding ourselves at the wrong place at the wrong time. None of us are exempt from misdirection or even weak moments But the supreme characteristic of Abraham's life was the building of altars. If you read Abraham's story, you will find that he expressed his life in that one simple act of building altars. He never built anything else in his life. He never built a house. He never secured a homeland. The only thing that Abraham ever built was an altar. He was content to travel, to live in a tent and be a sojourner and just a visitor. But he never wanted his experience with God to ever be on such a transit basis. He wanted a place where he could go back to and renew his consecration and his commitments to God. And wherever he journeyed, And wherever life took him and whatever life did to him, Abraham always built his altar and called on the name of the Lord. From the beginning to the end, Abraham was an altar builder. When I began to think about that, I I realized that the altar was not a symbol of Abraham's faith but it was the place that kept his faith alive. There were many times in Abraham's life when his faith could have been shaken, but because he had an altar, his faith stood firm. Abraham's life was not, uh, it was not predicated upon that altar. It was blessed by that altar. The altar was not the symbol of his faith, but it was the preserver of his faith. It was the place in his life where he could reconsecrate his energy and his purpose to God because Abraham discovered what many of us have discovered in life that it can get really messy sometimes and the best laid plans can go awry 
and the best purposes can go wrong. But when you have an altar, it makes all the difference in the world. Everybody needs an altar in their life, friend. Everybody needs an altar. When God wanted to commune with man and when God wanted to build a church, He gave to man a plan for what was called the tabernacle. It was not very pretty. It, on the outside at least, it was badger skins and uh, that was not a very beautiful animal. It was not attractive as the way it was constructed. It was a simple tent. But there was only one way, one door to get into that tabernacle and that one door led you by the altar. You could not come to the tabernacle without coming by the altar. It seemed that God had something to say to us in the very beginning about the importance of an altar in our life. Then when man got his hands on God's plan, he tried to improve it and man began to build and, and, and David and, and Solomon and all of the others after them, the temples that were built, they were elaborate and they were beautiful and they were decked with gold and silver and all kinds of beautiful artwork was there. But what they did was something God never did do and that was they add many doors to get to the temple. You didn't just have to come one way now. You could come to the temple from a number of different directions because they wanted to make it easy. The problem was that you could come to the temple now without ever coming by the altar. You could come to the temple now without ever having to make contact with the altar. And that was the downfall of the temple. And that's the downfall of any man when he can build his life in such a way that he doesn't have to come by the altar. Every man needs an altar. Every man needs an altar. I said every man needs an altar. Every one of our families need an altar tonight. If we're going to survive the times in which we live, we're going to have to have an altar in our life. Listen to me, young people and young couples. You cannot build a family without an altar. And you cannot build a lasting marriage or anything else in your life if there's not a place that you can come and visit and commune with God. And more than that, God commune with you and turn your heart and cleanse your mind you cannot build a successful life without an altar everybody needs an altar it's a place to reconsecrate our life when we fail it's a place to rededicate our purposes when we've stumbled it's times like these when we need altars the most amen it's times like these when we need altars the most and I believe it's time that we return to the altar. I believe it's time that we return to that place of consecration. We, we designate the front of this building as an altar. You know what's amazing to me over the years that I've pastored is how reluctant we are to come to the altar. Oh, Brother Hughes, I can make an altar where I am. Yeah, you can, but most of us don't. 
the truth is we need a place that we can come to. It wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't as you go along, well, I can do it here or I can do it there. There was a specific place between Bethel and Hai where Abraham built that altar. He could have gone to Bethel and it not been sufficient. He could have gone to Hai and it not been sufficient. But he had to get between those two places because there was a place where he had built an altar to God. And in that place, he could kneel before God and he could recommit himself. Listen to me, church. We need a specific place in our life where we can come and humble ourselves before God. And if we've ever needed an altar, we need an altar right now. I said we need an altar right now. We must revisit the altar when life is full of changes. It is the only method of meeting change. It is the only way of passing through change and being strengthened and enriched rather than being depleted and defeated. You've got to go back to the altar and life is full of change. But if you can learn to connect your change to the altar, your change will never lead you the wrong way. You see what's wrong with our world right now? There's a lot of change going on, but none of it's connected to the altar. And that's why our change keeps taking us farther and farther away from God and His purpose to where we don't even resemble a church any longer or we don't even resemble a child of God or a Christian. The altar is the connection point. That's where you bring your chain and that's where you consecrate that chain to God. And when you do that change will never take you away from God. It'll never take you away from His purpose. It'll never take you away from His will. You have to come to the altar when change is going on and we live in a world filled with change. There are times as a pastor that I just I, I feel like throwing up my hands and saying, what's the use? Because everywhere, everything you look at is in, in trend. Everything is moving. Nothing is stationary. It's all liquid. It's fluid. It's always this and that and the other. And not all change is bad. I'm not a, an ignorant person. I realize that there are many changes that we can make that are improvements. But I don't ever want to make a change that is not somehow connected to an altar. And when change started going on in Abraham's life, he went back to his altar and made sure that the change didn't take him away from the God that had called him to that place in the beginning. When life is filled with change and everything around is turning upside down and life gets so tangled up in a knot that you can't untie it. You can bring it to an altar and God can help you sort through it all and know what needs to stay and what needs to go. And somebody said, Amen. Life becomes lonely. Life is filled with anxiety. At such a time, we need to go back to the altar. Amen. We need to go back to the altar. When life gets tangled up, go back to the altar. When life gets messed up, go back to the altar. When life gets too busy, go back to the altar. When sickness lays its hand on you, go to the altar. When dreams are shattered, go to the altar. 
When your hopes are frustrated, go back to the altar. When you're disappointed, go back to the altar. When you're downtrodden, go back to the altar. When you feel like giving up, go back to the altar. How do we meet such hours and how do we face such disillusionment and how do we do it without losing heart and how do we do it without becoming bitter? You've got to go back to the altar. Amen. I've seen people go through some really hard things in life, things that probably would have embittered others. I know it has some, but I've watched them gracefully deal with those difficult things in their life without becoming bitter and angry and resentful and hateful, all that goes with that. The secret behind it all is an old-fashioned altar. Amen. That's the only thing that will keep bitterness at bay is an altar. Amen. You've got to go back to the altar. Amen. That's the only thing that will keep bitterness at bay. You've got to go back to the altar. It's the only thing that will keep drifting away. Go back to the altar. Because when you get back there, you find out what really matters. And you find out who's really in control. Amen. This is not about us. This is about Him. And when we go back to that altar, we find out what really matters. Amen. Everybody needs an altar. And if there's ever a time that we needed that altar, we need it now. Many have been the man who stood at the crossroads of life and the only thing that saved him was an altar. Amen. An altar. How many of us tonight stood at a crossroads in our life if it had not been for an altar? No telling where we would be tonight. But that altar altered our life. (laughs) That altar changed everything. When we're dealing with the passages of life and Many of us are dealing with those tonight. You need to visit the altar. We need to visit the altar when we have fallen in the dark passages of life. There is not an hour in our life when we are more tempted to give up than that hour of failure. And the only remedy that I know for that is the altar. How I behave in such hours is telling on my life. I must come back to the altar. Abraham, I thank you that you are father of the faithful. But more than that, I thank you that you are an altar builder. I thank you that you have taught me that no matter how you fail and no matter how misdirected your life is or whatever happens, if you'll go back to the altar, God will have a way of straightening all of that out. Oh, how we need an altar right how we need an altar right now. Bitterness, anger, resentment, hurt, all of those things can be dealt with at an altar. We need to go back to the altar. Not just a moment, not just to pass it by, but to spend some time there. The Bible said when Abraham got to that place between Bethel and Hai, to the altar that he had built in the beginning, he called on the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean that he just lifted his voice and said God, but that he communed with God. He took time to talk to the Lord. 
Oh, how we need to take some time to talk to God right now. Amen. I wish I could tell you everything that's in my heart tonight, but it wouldn't do any good because some of you wouldn't understand if I told you, and there may be some that wouldn't matter. But, you know, the truth of the matter is none of it will matter if we don't go back to the altar. If we don't find ourselves kneeling before the Lord and humble before His presence and realizing one more time what this is really all about. Abraham, he got messed up in his mind and in his thinking, but when he got back to the altar, God got his mind straightened out. He got his thinking straightened out. He got his priorities straightened out. Abraham, the father of the faithful, lied. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Abraham telling a lie to cover up his tracks to try to prevent something from happening? They found out anyway. That's the tragedy of a lie. It never produces what you want it to produce. But Abraham found out how to deal with the lying spirit in his life. He brought it back to an altar. Amen. That's the only place to take a lying spirit is to the altar. I have a feeling that when Abraham got back there, he had a talk with God. God, I don't want to be that kind of man. I don't want to be that kind of person. I need you to get that liar out of me. Amen. The only place you can do that is at an altar. You're not going to get the liar out of you at the bar. You're not going to get it out of you sitting at the computer working at Facebook. You're not going to get a lying spirit out of your life or anybody else's life by taking it to a counselor. The only place you can get it out is at the altar. Amen. The only place you can get discouragement out of your heart is at the altar. Amen. That's the only place you can get discouragement out is at the altar. Only place you can get bitterness out of your heart is at the altar. The only place that you can wash your mind and get all that filth out that somehow gets in there and it, it gets in there in the oddest ways. We don't even know. We really don't plan on it. But before we even realize what's going on, our mind and our thinking and our thoughts are so dirty and, and our life is so contaminated by the, the elements of this world and we look at ourselves and we think, how in the world did I get like this? Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how you got that way. Let me tell you how to get out of being that. And it comes at the place of an altar. Everybody needs an altar. And if there was ever a time that we needed to come back to that altar, we need to come back to that altar now. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen to the church in the next five years or the next ten years, no more than you do, but I know this, if we'll stay close to the altar, we don't have to worry about that. Because those that stay close to the altar, God will make sure that that change that comes into your life does not change what you are and what really matters. Amen. God, help us tonight to get back to the altar. Help us to get back to that place of consecration. Amen. That place where we open our heart and we pour out our soul before the Lord. Help us to get back to that place where God could speak into our life. Amen. It's not a symbol of your faith. 
but it is the sustainer of your faith. It's what will see you through every dark hour and it will get you through whatever's coming down the pike. Amen. Whatever's coming down the road, an altar will help you with whatever's coming. Amen. Come on, church. Let's get back to the altar. There's too much change going on. There's too much that's being laid aside in people's lives. There's too much There's too much that's being let go of in people's lives. Let's go back to the altar. Amen. Let's let's get back to that place where we belong. Amen. Not try to get away from it. I don't want to ever come to church without coming to the altar. I don't ever want to come to a church where there's so many doors that you don't have to come to the altar. You can experience church without coming by the altar. That was Herod's temple. Yeah. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, talks about the rebuilding of the temple after Zerubbabel, all of those that had come, they had rebuilt the temple. The Bible said that the old men wept, the young men rejoiced. Why? Because this new temple had more doors than any temple before it. Solomon's temple had seven. This one had nine. It would even be expanded to 12 at some future point. So you could come to church and never have to even look at an altar. That's why the old men wept because they knew what the original pattern was. They knew how God originally began that. Come on, let's get back to that door that will take us to the altar. Because we need an altar in this hour. Amen. Let's stand together.